Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Scary Story Podcast brings original, short, scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, spooky friends. I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. And if you are a return visitor, thank you for having the courage to be here again. Before we get to our stories, I wanted to tell you about some new things happening on our Patreon. We have a brand new members-only Discord where you can connect with other people who love something scary and all things spooky. And we will also be sharing monthly bonus episodes from the podcast starting later this month. As a patron, not only can you be part of our community, but you can be part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our weekly stories. So join us at patreon.com snarled. You can find the link in our episode notes. Can't wait to see you there. And don't forget to visit somethingscary.com and check out our new merch. We just dropped our first product and we wanted to give you a special offer. Go to somethingscary.com and you can get 20% off at checkout all month long. The dark night becomes a playground for all of us during the Halloween season. But we don't realize we're contending with the supernatural who thrive in the dark. Entities, spirits, and creatures who are so vile-looking they can only come out at night. If we're not prepared, the monsters may kill us before we even have a chance to yell boo. First, a dog-eat-dog world. 
followed by the masked monster, then truth that kills. Finally, in our featured story, laughter made of nightmares. So, wanna hear something scary? Creatures of the night. The sounds of the night may lull us to sleep. They also may make our imagination run wild. But by the time you realize your nightmares are real, it may be too late. Like in this story written by our featured writer, Ian Sutherland. When I was 13 years old, my older sister moved away to Seattle. My mom decided to move into her old room, which freed up my mom's much larger room overlooking our backyard through a set of wide, tall windows. Most nights, the sounds of nature would lull me to sleep. A nearby owl, nightingales chirping, mice in the bushes. Reminders from nature that were only guessed here. On windy nights, the chain of the swing set would sway and tap against the frame. A gentle, offbeat chime that I found oddly comforting. The final blow to my waking state would be my neighbor letting his dog out one last time for the night. One night, as I turned over to sleep, I noticed something peculiar. There was no owl, nor nightingales, nor mice. There was no wind, yet the chain still tapped against the swing set, but not in the usual aimless rhythm. A consistent tink, 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 like someone was swinging the chain deliberately. I laid there, still as I could be, and listened to the sound. I turned back over to peek through the curtains. Tucked into the oily shadows stood a shape, a short, crooked figure. Long, spindly arms reached up, bony, crooked fingers wrapped around the chain, swinging it in a jerking, staccato motion. Its head looked caved in to one side. It stood there and swung the chain. Tink, tink, tink staring up at the sound in curious fascination. I did my best to shift forward silently for a better view, but the old bed with its cheap metal frame had other plans. As I settled into position, the frame creaked. The creature turned its head with a snap. In the darkness, I could still make out its face, small black eyes like marbles, the faintest glint of light reflecting an onyx menace, the mouth wide and thin, a row of short, jagged teeth, like dog's teeth in a gapped row. The face churned, a hateful scowl. Displeased to have its strange ritual interrupted, the thing opened its mouth, just enough to suggest that it could swallow me whole. The thing's hand released the chain. Its arms twitched and locked into a pointed downwards fork. It lifted itself into the air and revealed a thick, snake-like body. It suddenly reacted to another sound as my neighbor Chet's door creaked open. He whispered, Go! in a sleepy voice. The familiar jangle of a tiny dog collar. Rufus was a little rat terrier, probably as old as Chet. The creature slithered away to the grass and into the shadows. It flattened its body as it moved, but only I saw it. Chet could barely see it in the best light, and Rufus wasn't much better. The thing wriggled at half a foot towards the unsuspecting dog. I lunged off the side of my bed and booked it to the back of the house. I grabbed my baseball bat, trembling. I was pure adrenaline. The air was crisp. Fall was creeping in. 
The grass was wet with dew. My breath wheezed in my lungs. I was too scared to breathe. Chet had already gone back inside. The thing eased through the grass like a river of putrid oil, up the chain-like fence dividing our yard from Chet's. It slithered closer to Rufus. I ran for the fence and shouted, just loud enough to get the thing's attention. It worked. The thing scurried towards me, moving like an enormous centipede. I would make a much more filling meal. Its jaw unhinged. Grimy, jagged teeth in a concentric rose across the roof of its gaping maw. A mouth made for grinding meat and bone. A mouth made not just to eat, but to destroy a body. As it looked down at me in a menacing hunger, then a sound, soft at first. A whine quivered from deep in its throat. The sound grew louder. Spit and sinew, the crunch of bones lodged in its throat. The stench of its hot breath poured over me in waves of filth. Chet, armed with a crowbar, hurried to the creature. He swung the weapon into the back of the thing's head. In a snap, the creature's arm popped backwards and wrapped around Chet. They squeezed. Chet tried to scream, but all that escaped was a helpless gurgle. The last sound I'd hear was the muffled pop of Chet's spine splitting like a twig. The creature wrenched Chet's limp body against its own, coiled onto the ground and slithered back into the shadows. I watched as long as I could as it took its prize back to whatever horrible place it came from. Rufus stood before me, trembling. My eyesight blurred as I collapsed to the ground. I woke up hours later, the sun burning my eyes. Rufus had fallen asleep next to me. I came inside to find my mom speaking with two cops. Chet's body was found eviscerated near freight tracks. I didn't say a word. To this day, my mom has never asked me about that morning. Chet's daughter, Emily, would come by later that day to pick up Rufus. We only lived in that house for another year. But every night since, I pay close attention to the hum of nature. When it's quiet, when the wind is still, I can hear it in the distance, where nature presses against humanity. And I remember, the wind can't keep a beat. Tink, tink, tink. Have you ever thought you heard something at night? Did you investigate? Was it just your imagination? Or did you witness the unthinkable? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It's fun to hide who we are in masks and costumes for Halloween. But for those who are in hiding all year long, Halloween is when they get to come out and show their true colors. Like in this story inspired by Daphne and read by our feature narrator, actress and horror writer, Rebecca Wilcox. I was standing in an empty street waiting for my boyfriend, Zane. We were going to a Halloween party and <laughs> he was late, as usual. This was the third time in a row he'd done this. The street was dark and cold. A layer of fog covered the ground, thick enough that I couldn't see my feet. The only light was the moon and a nearby street lamp. I tried to look up and down the street, but it was pointless. Then out of the corner of my eye, I thought I saw something move. I tried to ignore the worry that filled my mind. It was just the dark playing tricks on me. I checked my phone again. It was nearing 11pm and a feeling of dread was washing over me. He'd never been this late before. Our friends would be wondering where we were. I sent him a text. Where are you? He texted back immediately saying, At the party. Where are you? What? Pissed. I texted back. I'm still waiting for you to pick me up. My heart sank as I read his response. Uh, you said you didn't want me to pick you up, though. I had never said anything like that. But there it was. The screenshot of my text. Suddenly, the lamppost flickered and died, leaving me in almost total darkness. I looked down the street again, completely on edge. That movement I thought I'd seen was back and coming closer toward me. In the dark, I could make out a silhouette. I decided it would be better to walk away than to see what the person wanted. Just as I started at a quick pace, a car swerved around the corner and screeched to a halt by the curb next to me. Get in! A masked woman shouted from the driver's seat. Zane sent me! I gratefully climbed in the car. I thanked her while panting from the rush of adrenaline that was still coursing through my veins. I looked up and noticed a strange tribal mask. It was a Halloween party, so I didn't think too much of it. Then when I calmed a little from the scare on the street, I froze again. Zane said he thought I didn't want a ride. There was no way he could send someone that quickly to come and get me, so... In that case, who the hell was this woman? We drove in silence as I tried to wrap my head around what was happening. Then I tried to convince myself that maybe Zane did text her? It wasn't until we crossed the old wooden bridge that I realized we were leaving town. Fear crept up in my throat. I'm surprised I didn't throw up when I opened my mouth to ask, Um, isn't the party the other way? She didn't say a word. I told her with her mask on I didn't recognize her. I asked her name. How she knew Zane? How she knew me? Still no answer. I started to get louder. Tell me who you are. In panic, I grabbed at her mask to rip it off her face. 
It barely budged. She turned to me with a sinister grin, so wide, she barely looked human. Then with one hand on the wheel, she began to peel away what wasn't really a mask, but the top layer of her face. Blood and bones were protruding out from beneath her chin. She kept tearing at her skin and my instincts kicked in. I ripped off my seatbelt, threw open the door and, and jumped out of the car. I slammed into the ground and, and tumbled and as soon as I got my bearings, I ran. It actually took me a minute to realize I was missing one shoe, but I couldn't even feel the pain in my bloody foot now torn up by the pavement. I ran and, and I ran until I reached a house and was able to call my parents. Zane swears he never told anyone to pick me up. That was three years ago. And still, every Halloween, I, I stay inside my house. I don't go out at night, just in case I ever see that woman without a face again. Are you someone that can wait in the dark outside alone? Will you think twice about it after hearing this story? Some houses see more trauma and death than others, like the Bel Air house built in the 1800s. If you dare to go there, expect some of that trauma to be passed on to you. Like in this story written by Sarah Lukaskowitz. Marnie's alarm was blaring when she hit snooze for the third time. It was a day she had been dreading, the 10 year anniversary of her best friend's murder. In high school, Marnie was part of a clique that called themselves the Six. They made up the women's volleyball team and even won the state championship in Ohio. The Six were inseparable. Until one night at a party, they found Sienna laying face down in a pool of her own blood, dead. All of the teens were suspects. After interrogations, tears, and an awkward end to high school, the now five went their separate ways and never looked back which was why Marnie was shocked when she received an email from one of the six, gathering everyone together to mark Sienna's death. Marnie didn't want any part of the anniversary, but she knew she couldn't be the only one to not show. It had been 10 years, but since they never found her murderer, she didn't want to seem guilty by not attending. She figured at least going on the little road trip, she could get some good content for the gram. A car horn honked from outside. They were here. Marnie went out and jumped into the car that Blake was driving. The moment she sat down, she was filled with instant regret. There were awkward silences, the moments where some of the girls acted as though everything was normal. While Marnie recorded them driving across the bridge, she finally thought to ask where they were going. Blake said, we're going to the Bel Air house. Rose started to throw a fit. She didn't want to go back home. No way was she going to the Bel Air house. Marnie didn't even know what it was. Blake filled her in. It was an old house on the banks of the Ohio River rumored to be filled with paranormal activity. Marnie didn't believe much in ghosts and spirits, but everyone else seemed to be into it. Before they reached the house, they stopped at a metaphysical store, a witchcraft apothecary. Marnie was filming all the creepy things like dead butterflies, the crystals and potions. It was great content. She was getting an invisible tattoo when she overheard Blake and Rose arguing. Rose thought Blake was crazy for wanting to bring them to the Bel Air house to contact Sienna. Blake figured with all the paranormal activity, they might have a chance to communicate with the dead and find out once and for all what happened to their friend. 
Rose didn't think they should mess with such dark magic like seances and psychics. And she was pissed that Marnie had her cell phone in their faces recording the whole conversation. It's serious business, she said before storming away. One thing the women didn't need a psychic to tell them was that they had all changed into very different people after their trauma. Upon arrival, they walked through the Bel Air house, down the creaky stairwell where they were greeted by the keeper of the home. She soon had them all sitting around a table with candles and glow sticks for a seance to summon their dead friend. Flames flickered as the spirit box scanned through the channels. There was nothing to do but laugh in the uncomfortable noise. Marnie, recording the whole thing, figured if they actually did get something on tape, she might as well be able to use it for her channel. After almost 30 minutes of nothing, Marnie saw something just for a second in the reflection of the mirror. Shut up, you did not, Blake cried. The other girls thought that maybe Marnie was just trying to freak them out. They didn't really feel anything. While Blake continued to try to connect with Sienna, Rose began to feel lightheaded and woozy. Marnie suggested they stop the whole thing. Whatever that shadow was she saw in the mirror had made her believe something was there with them. The keeper of the house was cackling, a cruel, disturbing laugh. If these little girls couldn't handle the undead, they never should have come to the house in which they reside. And with that, the host left. Rose was so shaken, she followed suit and went upstairs to her room for the night. A few of the other women tried fidgeting with their other gadgets on the table like crystal balls, but nothing seemed to come of it. After an hour or so, they relaxed and were talking to each other like the good old days in high school. Just when Marnie was feeling like it was actually good to be catching up with her old friends, they heard a voice clear as day. I got her. They froze. The voice sounded exactly like Sienna. It came from the spirit box. The seance was supposed to be over, but when the host left, she hadn't turned off the spirit box. Blake's voice went up an octave, the same way it did in high school when she got genuinely panicked. She pointed out that if the host never shut down the box, she didn't close the circle. Who knows how many spirits were loose and on the wrong side. Marnie was freaking out because she had it all recorded and played it back. It was really Sienna saying, I got her. But who, they thought. She couldn't wait to show Rose. They all looked at each other. Rose. The woman charged up the stairs to the bedrooms, and there was Rose, laying face down in a pool of her own blood. They looked at her in horror, realizing she was dead. Blake fell to her knees, sobbing as Marnie put her arm around her distraught friend. Looks like you finally got your answer. The remaining women knew they'd never be the same again, but at least they now knew for sure it was Rose who had killed Sienna. Have you ever been to a house filled with so many ghosts and spirits it was impossible not to feel something? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of an entity that's lurking. Written by Janine Pipe and animated over on our YouTube channel. Lately, Jess needed me more than ever. As a single mom working with two kids under five, she sometimes asked me to watch them. They just want to play for a bit, she'd say as they ran towards me. Then they'll leave you be. Being a nighttime security guard meant I could help out my sister Jess with my nephews, get my schoolwork done, and then head out to work. 
the work was easy enough and slightly tedious. I was employed through an agency, which meant I could only be deployed to so many sites. But my routine was always the same. Parameter checks, building checks, report back to base, and repeat until the morning. Some areas were floodlit, most were not. But I carried a large flashlight and I had a booth to rest in when not patrolling. Nothing exciting ever happened until that night. I was sent to a building site. Most of the grounds were rubble and dirt, but the plant equipment left there was worth a fortune. So it needed to be patrolled along with the last building still waiting to be demolished. I didn't know the history of the location and I didn't care, though I wish I had. It started off okay, just a regular if chilly evening no reports of teenager taggers or thieves in the area. I was making my second routine parameter patrol when I heard the noise. Until then, it had been completely silent, which made the interruption even more of a surprise. It was a child's giggle. Up until that moment, I'd always thought the scariest sound I could hear in the middle of the night when I'm all alone would be the growl of a cougar or a bear, but no. That misplaced noise made my blood chill. I had a duty to investigate. If the kid was in the old building, they could be in danger. Hello, I called out. Silence. Maybe I imagine it, maybe I... Well, now I had to go look. So I hurried over to the building and pulled aside the do not enter tape. Of course, it was pitch black inside. There was no power supply. I waved my flashlight around looking for any signs of movement. Hello? I called out again. And this time, I got an answer. Play with me. My knees buckled. I stood paralyzed for a moment. Then, regaining the use of my arm, I shone the flashlight in the direction of the voice. There was no sound of the culprit, but the beam did catch sight of something. Painted on the wall above what looked to be an old reception area were the words Bellevue Orphanage. I can't explain how, but I immediately knew it wasn't a prank or an actual little kid. Maybe it was the frigid air, maybe the overpowering sense of being watched, but something told me that what I was dealing with was not a human. A child, yes, but not a human. My first reaction was to run, but the second I turned around, the exit door slammed shut. The atmosphere in the empty building suddenly feeling extremely dense and heavy. I could see my breath as the childish voice repeated the words right next to my ear. Play with me, play with me. Then a whoosh of air as if they run off again. Standing frozen in fear, I remembered my sister saying, they just want to play. I wasn't sure the same rules applied as my nephews and that this thing would leave me alone, but since I appeared unable to leave, it was my only choice. I shut my eyes and leaned my head against the wall. One, two, three, knock, knock. I turned around, shone the flashlight, and whimpered a little. There was a shadow by the door. One, two, three, knock, knock. I gulped and turned, the flashlight shaking. This time, the shadow was a little closer. One, two, three. Knock, knock. Oh God, it was much closer now. The shadow almost reaching the wall I was resting against. My voice trembled, but I carried on. One, 
two, three, knock. I swallowed the final knock as I felt a tiny hand appear on my shoulder. I, I couldn't move. My body paralyzed as a wisp of icy breath hit my ear, along with the childish sing-song voice. Knock? <laughs> I tried to move, but I was paralyzed, frozen, completely unable to escape. Even as more, the tiny hands began to grab and pull at me. Even as the giggles and childish whispers filled the air, they moved as one strength in numbers and dragged me backwards. I tried to scream, but their scrawny fingers pulled at my mouth. And then without the flashlight to guide us, we entered the darkness. Just before I gave into the pain, as they clawed at my body, one leaned in real close and whispered in a much deeper voice than before. Your turn now. You're going to play forever. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>